Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a quick question. Well, it's not a quick question. I have a question for you. How many of you believe, truly, truly believe that God answers prayer? I don't mean you hold to what we say we are supposed to believe, but that there actually is a God who hears your prayers and personally, out of love, answers them. Do you really believe that? I'm holding you to it. I do too. Sometimes, though, I do wonder when I met with silence concerning a particular need or crisis if God really does hear and answers prayer. But ultimately, I relent and submit and acknowledge that God knows better than I do and that He will take care of things as He sees fit. Into your hands, O Lord, I commit my spirit. In 2006, there was a prayer prayed during a chapel service at the Chapel of St. Timothy and Titus. That's the chapel on the campus of Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. It was a prayer that was prayed during a sermon by Reverend Dr. David Adams, a professor there. It was a prayer that I think most of us would be way too scared to pray. Especially if we really do believe that God answers prayer. I'm going to read that prayer this morning. And I want you to listen. It isn't too long. But after the prayer, I want you to think long and hard before you add your amen, your agreement and assent to that prayer. Deal? Okay, here it goes. Oh God, pour out your righteous wrath upon us. Humble us in our pride. Raise our gas prices until you strip us naked of the wealth that our greed has accumulated. Take the food from our mouths. Inflict terrorism and plague and poverty upon us until we flee crying in fear and terror, in suffering and humiliation and shame, to the foot of the cross of Jesus, and there, bereft of every human comfort and every human hope, find our refuge in Him and Him alone. Can I hear an amen? Seems much of that prayer has already been answered, hasn't it? We can blame Trump, or we can blame Biden, or we can blame COVID, or whoever, or whatever. But what if, what if it is God who has actually brought these things about? Does that change how you see our present and previous presidents? How about your neighbor? Can you and will you blame God for pouring out His wrath on a rebellious, hateful, sinful world? 
In our gospel reading, Jesus has a man who comes to him and says this, I will follow you wherever you go. Are you willing to say that now? Jesus then warns him of the difficulty that following him would bring. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, for the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, if you are concerned with your temporal and earthly comfort, following Jesus may not be right for you. Then Jesus said to another who was there, follow me. But this man wanted to go back and to bury his father first. And then another wanted to go back and say goodbye to his family. And Jesus is somewhat harsh with them and basically denies their requests. Were their requests wrong? No. Honor your father and your mother. Jesus is telling them that much will be left behind when you follow him. He will say later in Luke chapter 12, they will be divided, father against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. That does not sound like fun. There's a church in Germany, a sister church of our Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, who used to worship about 30 people, not too different from First Lutheran here. But then refugees from the Middle East began pouring in. They began to inquire about Jesus. Many Germans believed that they were simply faking the faith in order to not be returned to their previous homeland. But the pastor of that church faithfully catechized them these Muslim refugees. And then when it came time for their baptism, as they stood at the font, he would alter the traditional baptismal rite. When they were asked what they should be named, they would leave behind their Muslim name and take on a Christian name. And the pastor would make a point, much like Jesus does today, remind them that they cannot look back. If they do this, if they are baptized, and if they take on Christ as their identity, they cannot go back. Their families will disown them. Their homeland will no longer be their home. They will not be welcomed there. In fact, they could lose their life if they return even at the hands of their own family. It wasn't long until this little congregation of 30 boasted over 300 in regular worship. Christ summarizes all of this when he said previously in this very same chapter this morning, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. The Christian life is not an easy one. Those who say otherwise make God out to be a liar. To be a Christian is to face the wrath of the world. 
this very weekend has shown us this. With Roe v. Wade overturned, the Department of Homeland Security issued a warning of viable threat to pregnancy centers and Catholic churches across the United States, stating that they could very likely, very possibly, face violence. Stand up for the things of God and the world will hate you. You cannot look back. Leave the dead to bury their own dead. What Jesus says today is in the context of his trek to the cross. As we heard, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Jesus didn't have time to wait around. He was heading to Jerusalem. And for those who were going to follow him, they had to leave now. There wasn't time for him to wait to bury the dead or to say bye to mom. It was time to burn the plow and fall in behind him. He was a man on a mission. And thank God that he was. Because of his zeal for his Father in heaven, he pushed towards the cross. But while his zeal for his Father was his first priority, it was also his zeal for you that he set his face to Jerusalem. This is very important for us to remember. Jesus was driven by his love for you. And ever so often, we need to re-examine what that means, even if it means adversity, wrath, judgment. The law of God and his wrath can often remind us of what we truly deserve. My son Chandler thankfully has this down. Ask Chandler what he deserves in any situation. And you know what he will say? I deserve God's temporal and eternal punishment. I can brag on him. I'm his dad after all. But it still amazes me that a nine-year-old gets it when so many adults don't. We, you, deserve God's wrath. Nothing more, nothing less, but his wrath. We deserve high gas prices. We deserve riots in the street. We deserve all the terror and brokenness that this fallen and sinful world has to offer. This is what we deserve. We don't like it. We deserve it. But as we prayed in our call it today, Lord of all power and might, author and giver of all good things, graft into our hearts the love of your name and nourish us with all goodness that we may love and serve our neighbor. Author and giver of all good things. 
You know, the fact that there is anything good in this world of sinful man is only by the grace of God. The fact that there is anything good in this world of sinful man is only by the grace of God. Because we do not deserve it. It's because of His love for you that His Son, our Savior, received His wrath in our place. Friends, daily you are faced with whether you will follow Christ or not. Every single day. Some days are easier than others. But it is those hard days, especially those hard days that should drive you to your knees in front of the cross to look up at the love and the torment of your Savior there. To give thanks that the perils and pestilence of this world are not eternal. They're only temporal. Following Jesus is hard. As I've said before, if it was easy, the whole world would do it. But it's not. It hurts. But there, when we see Him on His throne, on that one day, when we're finally there, and all our cares are taken care of, our burdens lifted, when fear is vanquished, when hate is forgotten, and peace reigns. When you have finished the good fight of faith, when you have run the race, you will not look back to the hurts and to the pains of this world. It will no longer matter. For Christ will be there. And you will be there with Him. And all will be well. How about now? Can I get an amen? Now may the peace pass us all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to see the sermon and watch our worship service live, you can join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Central Time at www.facebook.com forward slash FLC Tahlequah. You can also find out more information about First Lutheran, read or hear sermons, and find other resources by going to our website at www.firstlutherantahlequah.org. Both of these links will be in the show notes for your quick click. In grateful response to God's gifts and empowered by the Holy Spirit through word and sacraments, the mission of First Lutheran Church is to grow in faith through worship and study, to make known the love of Christ by word and deed within our congregation, and to recognize Christ's love and to take it wherever it is needed in our community and the world.